the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The fire of your coming, the glory of your presence will shake the earth and every heart will know you are Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel. Shalom and welcome to Heart of Messiah radio broadcast. My name is Steve Weiler and I'm the lead rabbi of Shoresh David Messianic Synagogues. Currently we're serving in Wesley Chapel, St. Pete, South Bay near Riverview and Tampa. We welcome all visitors as we desire to see those who are Jewish and not Jewish worshiping together in unity. We're honored to serve the listening audience of AM 570 WTBN and 910 WTWD, Tampa Bay's Faith Talk. Let's begin our time together with prayer. Avinu Malkenu, our Father, our King, we thank you for the season that you have brought us into. We thank you for the wonderful time of celebrating Passover And now we're in the time of counting the Omer. We thank you for that. And we pray for great growth. And we pray, Lord, as we look forward to Shavuot, which is the Feast of Weeks, the the Feast of Pentecost, that the power of your Spirit would just fall on us as we seek to be faithful to you and loyal to you and to the things that you ask of us. So, Lord, we're praying in the name of Yeshua, that this would be a great week that would glorify you. We thank you for all the Christians who celebrated Yeshua's resurrection. We thank you, O Lord, for the Messianic Jews who have celebrated the resurrection on Yom Habikurim. So, Father, bring us together. Bring us together through your word. Bring us together through your spirit that we truly can be the one new man. And, Lord, that the people in the world would see you because of us being one. Amen and amen in the name of Yeshua. Amen. So, uh, will you and your synagogue or church join us for our next two events? Well, today, yes, today... We will be meeting at 4.30 in the afternoon at the Holocaust Museum, and at 5 p.m. we are going to start a march. It'll only last about 20 minutes one way, and then there'll be uh, speakers, and in fact, I might be the speaker, Uh, and we'll do this March of Remembrance. It's a prayer walk held annually. It's international. It's in remembrance of Yom HaShoah, the the Holocaust, and has become a connecting point for people everywhere who wish to observe a Remembrance Day for the Holocaust. 
in their communities through public prayer and events. I love what it says on their website. They have a March of Remembrance website. It says, taking the lessons of the Holocaust to break the silence of fear, shame, and pain caused by prejudice and indifference. Ooh, that's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. Will you join us? I'd love to see a thousand people walking. Oh, and, and there'll be so many people out on Sunday, and I want them to see our signs, make signs call, saying never forget. We'll walk down to the pier. We'll walk back. We'll uh, stay there a few minutes and, and, and have some different things going on. It will be a great event. But next Sunday as well, of course, that's the 30th, we're going to have a Celebrate Israel Independence Day event at our synagogue. We're inviting the entire community, the Jewish community, the Christian community, the secular community, come join with us and celebrate with music, Israeli food from my son-in-law's new restaurant, I, I'm going to put in a plug, called The Koshery. In Hyde Park, yeah, you can check that out. It food's amazing. Anyway, uh, we're going to worship. We're going to dance. We're going to have information about Israel, Israel's history. We're going to have a class introduction to Hebrew. Uh, it's going to be a great. Uh, it'll be outside and inside a great fair-like uh, event. It's from three p.m. in the afternoon. To seven in the evening, Sunday, April 30th. We'd love for you and your friends, your neighbors to attend. So, for more information, getting flyers or helping us to get the word out, please call Karen at 813 831 5673. Mark your calendar, mark these down. Of course, today you don't have to mark your calendar, just show up. This is a great opportunity for you to respond to the heart of Messiah. It is not too late for you to get a 65-page booklet on Counting the Omer, which is a 50-day devotional. And also, if you wanted to get your own Haggadah, uh, feel free to ask for that. They're $5 each. Again, call Karen at 813-831-5673. So today is the 12th day of counting the Omer. So let's do it together as we will do the next few weeks. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech ha'olam, asher kidshanu b'mitzvotav v'tzivanu al sifarat ha'omer. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has set us apart by your commandments and has commanded us to count the Omer, which we find in Leviticus 23 Verse 15. All right. And then we say, today is the fifth day of the second week and day number 12. I have counted the Omer. The scripture in today's devotion is from Leviticus 11.45. It says, For I am Adonai, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, you should be holy, for I am holy. And the thought for the day is by Andrew Murray, a 19th century preacher. Uh, he said, in man, humility is the one thing needed to allow God's holiness to dwell in him and shine through him. The chief mark of counterfeit holiness is lack of humility. The holiest will be the humblest. 
So I believe this is a litmus test for measuring the effectiveness of your efforts to attain holiness is the increasing amount of humility within you. So the challenge that I have underneath is why is it important to be holy as God is holy? How can we accomplish that? What characteristics that you believe would make you more holy? And also, as you seek an intimate relation with, a relationship with God, how will you desire to be more holy, bringing you closer to him? Okay. And so then the rest of that is you would journal, right? So last week, we didn't finish talking about Passover. We might not this week either. But uh, remember, we had just gotten to the 10 plagues. So as you know, the Jewish people, the Israelites were in Egypt. Moses was sent to Egypt to free the Jewish people. Uh, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and God sent 10 plagues. Now, these 10 plagues we find in Exodus 7 through 12. And it showed the Israelites that God, the God of their father, was alive and worthy of their worship. It also showed the Egyptians that their gods were powerless. When Moses approached Pharaoh, demanding that he let the people go, Pharaoh responded by saying, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know the Lord neither Will I let Israel go? This is from Exodus 5.2. Isn't that the question that is still asked today? Who is the Lord? People are asking that. Do you have an answer for that? I hope so. But we're going to continue on with Passover. So thus began the challenge to show whose God was more powerful the gods that people manufactured are the one true God, as you and I know, of, of the universe, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, the first plague, which you remember turning the Nile to blood, was judgment against the God of the Nile and the guardian of the Nile. The second plague, uh, having to do with the frogs from the Nile, uh, that was judgment against the frog-headed goddess of birth. The third plague, gnats, was a judgment of the god of the desert, which is where they came from. The fourth plague, the flies, was a judgment on their gods who were depicted as uh, flies. The fifth plague was the death of the livestock, which was also a judgment on the gods who were both depicted as cattle. The sixth plague The boils was a judgment against several gods over health and disease. The seventh plague, the hail, came against the sky of the goddess. And also the the, uh, fertility god for the crops and the storm god, because these were all these different gods that the people of Egypt had. The eighth plague, the locusts, uh, again focused on the fact that Crops would not be protected by their god. The ninth plague, darkness, was aimed at the sun god, Ray, who was symbolized by Pharaoh himself. For three days, the land of Egypt was smothered with an unearthly darkness, but the homes of the Israelites had light. And so the tenth plague, the final plague, was the death of the firstborn male. 
And this was judgment against Isis, of all names, right? Uh, The Egyptian god, which was the protector of children. In this plague, God was teaching the Israelites a deep spiritual lesson, which pointed to Messiah, unlike other plagues, which was based on the identity as God's people, this plague required an act of faith by them. So God commanded each family to take an unblemished male lamb and kill it. The blood of the lamb was to be smeared on the top and sides of their doorway, just like Yeshua's blood is on the doorpost of our heart, right? Any family that did not follow God's instructions would suffer in this last plague. The angel of death killed the firstborn boy of those who didn't put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost. Don't we have to do the same thing over our heart? We will also not live eternally if we don't receive Yeshua and receive the blood that was he sacrificed over for, for our sins to be atoned for. Now, some say that blood is not a Jewish thing, and I would say most Jewish people would probably say that. But we see in Leviticus 17 and 11, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your lives, for it is the blood that makes atonement because of the life. So we see here, blood is required to have your sins atoned for, blood save the firstborn, blood of the lamb gave atonement before um, Yeshua, and, and at Yom Kippur, it was the blood of a goat. And Yeshua was the final blood atonement. None of these ways to receive atonement gave the people any options. There was only one way and one way alone. And isn't that also true today? We also see that salvation requires faith, but it is a free gift. So it was a gift that the firstborn did not die, but it required faith. It was true for Israel then, when they were in Egypt, when they needed physical salvation, and it's true for us today who desire spiritual salvation. Another interesting thing about the Seder and the Ten Plagues, we find written in our Haggadah. I'm going to read from this. I, I, I love this part of the Haggadah. The leader reads this. This section of the Seder is extremely important as it reflects God's intolerance to sin, especially pride, disobedience, and unbelief. Through the prophet Ezekiel, God said the one who sins must die. As harsh as the plagues may seem to us, they remind us that the wages of sin is death, which is, of course, Ezekiel 18.4. So the ten plagues that the Lord inflicted upon Egypt not only punished them for their harsh treatment of his people, but also were specifically intended to show Adonai's power and authority over the Egyptian gods, and symbolically his power over sin. Though the plagues on Egypt were the result of their own evil, we do not Let me say this again. We do not rejoice over their defeat. 
nor their pain, and nor their suffering. In order to prove that, the next part of the Seder says this, A full cup of wine is a symbol of joy. Therefore, as we recall the plagues and the destruction each plague caused, we will lessen our own joy by removing wine from our cups. And this is how we do it. As each plague is mentioned, each person takes a drop of wine from the cup of their little finger and allows it to drip on their plate. The significance is that, as I said, we get no joy from even our enemies having plagues. So we remove joy from ourselves symbolically by taking 10 drops, one for each plague, put it on our plate. It lessens the amount of wine in our cup because this is a Jewish understanding, in a sense, of what we read in new, the New Covenant, Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Messiah. Or how about Luke 6, 27 and 28? I say to you who are listening, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for the ones who mistreat you. Then it says in the Haggadah, uh, this prayer, Oh Lord, thank you for your mercy and deliverance from all these plagues. You brought your people from bondage to freedom with rejoicing. You gave them the promised land that they might keep your precepts. Observe your laws. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Let's look at a few important parts of the Passover Seder, and I'll try to show you the significance to not only to the Jewish people, but also to Christians as well. Uh, first of all, God in his word in Exodus twelve eight and Numbers nine eleven said that we are to commemorate this holy day by the eating of the lamb, the eating of the matzah, which is the unleavened bread, and the eating of the bitter herbs. Okay, so that's what Scripture says. Now, traditionally, we add to that in our Seder plate a roasted egg, chroset, which is an apple and nut mixture. And then, of course, we have the wine, and some people add uh, a green vegetable. We put the three pieces of matzah in a linen pouch, which has three different sections. Now, picture what this matzatash is, okay? In other words, it's one piece of material with three sections, okay? So a piece of matzah goes into each section. So does this sound familiar with one fabric with three compartments, like three in one? Yeah? So um, when people ask us, well, I thought God's supposed to be one, and you say he's three. We say, no, he's three in one. Well, even the traditional Seder in their matzatash has a symbol which would let us explain that. And then it gets even better. Usually the, uh, it, the three matzahs are explained this way in the traditional Seder. It represents Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or it represents the unity of Aaron, the Levites, and the people, or it represents the unity of God, the Levites, and the high priest, and the people. Each explanation leads us 
to consider the middle matzah representation. Isaac was going to be sacrificed. The Levites are the high priest. We know Yeshua was a high priest. He was sacrificed for our sins. I mean, it, it just, the Seder just speaks so much of the new covenant in Yeshua. In the middle of the Seder, the middle matzah, which, remember, represents the high priest, is broken in two. It's the half is taken, it's wrapped in linen, it's hidden away by the leader. By the way, it's called an afikomen, which is a Greek word, which means that which comes last, or he will come again. And then it's dessert. And then uh, the child must find the afikomen, he must buy it back or redeem it. And then it's broken for everyone to eat. And until everyone eats from the afikomen, you don't go on with the Seder. Pretty incredible, huh? Doesn't it remind you of Yeshua? Amen. So this is done in Seders all around the world, in Israel, in the United States, everywhere. Today's Passover traditions were mostly developed after Yeshua. Isn't that amazing that references were put into traditional satyrs that remind us so much about Yeshua, his death, and his resurrection? Let's look at some New Covenant references to Passover. We have Luke 22, which in verse 7, Then came the day of Matzah, when the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Now Yeshua sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us so we may eat. Yeshua sent the disciples to prepare for a Passover Seder, a Passover remembrance. Now, there was an article written in Christianity Today this past month saying that the that Yeshua did not celebrate the Passover. It was written by two Jewish fellows who felt it was an affront for Christians and others to celebrate Passover. But that's so far from Scripture. It is just not the case. Look, God wants all of us to remember these holy days. And so even the bitter herbs we see in Exodus 12, 8, they're to eat the meat that night, roasted over a fire with matzot and bitter herbs, that they are to eat it. And in Matthew 26, 23, it says, the one who dipped his hand in the bowl with me. Okay, so what is this bowl? He's the one who will betray me. What we do in the Seder is we put a lot of salt in water, and then we take the bitter herbs and we dip that bitter herbs into the salt water to remember of the tears that the slaves um, had. Now, I don't know if Yeshua did this, but that's the only bowl I can think of that uh, unless it was the bowl to cleanse your hand. But in either way, they were obviously doing some of the Seder that we even know today. And actually, well, you know what? I can't believe it. There's no time left in this in today's teaching. So can I remind you that today at 4.30, we're meeting at the Holocaust Museum, and at 5, we're beginning our March of Remembrance. Would you march with us? Bring your church, bring your neighbors, bring everybody, and we will carry signs that say, never forget. Um, Will you join us? And next Sunday, celebrate Israel with us. It's Independence Day from 3 to 7.00. 
The entire community is invited. We're going to celebrate with music, Israeli food, worship, dance, information about Israel, a class of introduction to Hebrew. It's going to be a great time for the kids. It'll be a great time for the adults. We'd love for you to bring your synagogue or church out. For more information, call Karen at 813-831-5673. May the Lord be your first priority, and may you grow in your desire to have a heart like the heart of Messiah. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Abba, Father, teach us your ways so that our hearts would be hearts of flesh and not of stone. May our words and actions always reflect the heart of Messiah so that everyone who meets us will know that Yeshua is our Messiah and King. You are Messiah, Yeshua Mashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.